morning we are looking at a story uh, out of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I think it's a story you're familiar with. Um, I've preached on this story once, a long time ago. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Um, So we're going to do it again. This is... uh, this is the burning bush story, uh, and I'm not going to say more. I was going to say more, but I'm not going to know. So uh, you'll find the words behind me on the screen. You'll find them. Uh, if you've got them, you can read them. Uh, otherwise, let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you uh, again for your word, for this book. Um, Thanks that we just we, we have it this this strange old book that we keep coming back to and and when we open it we are grateful that that you're here and that that you do what you do and and somehow we we hear a word from you and so uh, we pray for that miracle again this morning we pray that the we would hear your voice and that you would do in us whatever it is you want to do. Uh, we trust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Exodus 3, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you, that is, I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
we will go that far. Such a good story. It's a fascinating story, isn't it? Um, so on, on July 18, uh, 2004, uh, 18 years ago and eight months, almost to the day, uh, I stood up in front of a little church in Hudsonville, Michigan, called Covenant Community Church, as their pastor for the very first time, and I was ready to preach for the first time. I'd just been ordained. It was the first Sunday. There I was, standing up in front of the people, ready to preach for the first time. I was so scared. I was so nervous. And I was naive, uh, but not too naive. I was smart enough to understand that, that I didn't know exactly what it was I was doing. Uh, and there were probably a lot of people in that place at the time who could do it better than I could even at that time. Um, but there I was, ready to preach. I remember the people. You could tell that there was like an extra buzz in the place. There was an extra. They'd been looking for a pastor for a really long time. And and for some reason, they took, they took their chance on this, this guy who was just fresh out of seminary. And they're like, boom. So you could see there was, you could feel extra buzz in the air. Some of them were thinking, yes, finally, we have a new pastor. Uh, we get to start again somehow. We've got a, a fresh beginning. I know for a fact that some of them were in that place thinking to themselves, what in the world? Dude looks like he's in eighth grade. I know this because they told me that I looked like I was an eighth grader. This was 18 years ago, eight months, almost to the, the day. And so that morning, it was weird. It was almost like a, a couple of teenagers going out on their first date. It was weird. It was awkward. Uh, but somehow it worked. Somehow it was good. We gathered together as the people of God. We sang, we praised, we prayed, and God showed up somehow. And we heard God speak. I read to them uh, Exodus 3, 1 through 12. And I preached what I would call an interesting sermon. Because <laughs> I just read it. I look back on it. This is not that sermon, by the way. This is a different time, a different place, a whole different congregation. This is totally, totally different. So I, I preached an interesting, an interesting, you know, it was a good word at that time. And I think it's a, I think this is a good story. It's a good word for us today. As I think about the world, as I think about the world in which we live, it seems like today we're, we're trying to figure things out. Doesn't it seem that way? We're trying to figure out what way is up and what way is down, especially, especially in circles of faith. We're trying to figure out how do we do this faith thing well? Because it seems harder today than it has ever before, at least in my lifetime. We're trying to figure out how do we do this well? And I think there are some themes in this story uh, that can be helpful, helpful for us as individuals, helpful for us as a community, as we just sort of think about how we're doing, what we're doing. Some things that I think uh, are good, just reminders for us, right? So we're going to walk slowly through this story. Uh, and while we do, I want you to use your imagination, because here's the thing, these stories aren't just like these ancient stories that are old, and well, they are that, but they're very intricate, intricate stories, and they are layered stories. Uh, and so I think it's important for us to, to imagine them, to use our imaginations, to, to think of ourselves as being there, to try to, 
to feel what Moses may have felt, to, to literally imagine ourselves standing there um, barefooted on holy ground. I want you to imagine this. Um, and I had a professor in, in seminary, brilliant, brilliant guy named Tom Bogart, and uh, he, in fact, uh, posited this idea that these stories, the, the reason they were able to hand them down um, was they weren't just stories that they told. They were actually dramas that they enacted, which made it easier for them to remember. Because the details in the story, sometimes it's better to see them enacted and they sort of come to life. And he actually worked with Jeff and Karen Barker from uh, Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, to, to put together actual dramas of these biblical narratives. So this morning, I want you to, I want you to think it. I'm gonna draw, I want you to imagine it. I, I'm going to draw out some themes, and then we'll talk about them. So we'll start at the beginning. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, another name for Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. So, stop right there. At this point in Moses' life, like things are going pretty good. Like he's, he's got things, he's happily married to a woman named Zipporah. They've got a son named Gershom. They were building a new life together. They, they, he knew what to expect. Uh, life, he was happy. They were comfortable. Uh, things were great. But then something happened out there in the wilderness that changed everything, like dramatically changed everything as he approached the base of Mount Horeb. There, the angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. See it. Feel it. Walk up to that bush that's burning but not being consumed. Like, Oh, by the way, there's so much. We, we could go deep into the woods about what people think about what this all means. A fire that's burning but not consuming, like the bush isn't getting burned up. Anyway, we could go forever on that. So see it. Experience it. Right? Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, hear the words being repeated there? God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. All of this out of the blue. Life was great. Life was good. Life was comfortable. Moses was happy. Right? And then all of a sudden, this happens. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Pause here. Picture it. Feel it. The bush is on fire. It's burning. You're walking up to the bush. Moses is hot. He's sweating, standing there barefooted on holy ground ground that is saturated with the presence, power of God, the creator of the universe. So through the ground, through his feet, his bare feet, Moses has this direct connection with the divine. 
threw his feet on the ground a direct connection with God. In a very real sense, the feet of Moses are now blessed. They have now come into contact with holy ground, which means his feet are now holy. They're holy feet set apart for a purpose. I want you to remember that. Just put it on a shelf. We'll come back to it. Okay, we'll move on. Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this moment, Moses hides his face because he was afraid to look at God. So, you can't miss this. Moses hides his face. Picture, standing there barefooted in front of that bush that's burning. He's now grabbed his cloak and put it over his face. Put it over his entire head to hide his face. When you hide your face, what can you see? Nothing. So, the whole time he's talking with God, he hides his face, he's got his cloak over his head, he cannot see a thing, his face is hidden, he is functionally blind. And then let's look at the next verse. Then the Lord says, I have indeed seen. Moses at this moment cannot see, but God sees. And what is it that God sees? God sees the misery of the Israelites in Egypt, bound up tightly in the chains of slavery. He hears their cries, but look, look at what else God sees. He sees what's ahead. Verse 8, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. While the people are still enslaved, God sees God's preferred future for them. A land, a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, flowing with all of the things that they cannot have while under slavery in Egypt. Moses at this point cannot see, but God sees a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Ain't that about how it is all the time? Like, we, we can't see. We want to. We wish we could. We long to. We yearn to. But this story reminds us that it isn't about our, our vision. Like, we can't see very well. We're all pretty short-sighted. We're all functionally blind when it comes to the future. We cannot see, but God has this preferred future in mind for us. God sees ahead. This is about what God sees. God sees reality for what it is, and God sees the future for what God wants it to be. And in our future, I think, for each of us, for us as a community, for us as a church, I think there's a land, a spacious land, flowing with milk and honey. Here's the deal. 
Like, I believe that. I really do. But I don't have a clue what that looks like. Do you? Like, I want to know. I wish I knew. Like, I really would love details. But I have no idea what it looks like. Clueless. I'm functionally blind. Now, over, over the years as we've been doing this thing called Renew Community uh, together, um, there have been some tough times. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but, but even when it, when it first began, when we were, when we were back about 10, 10, 11 years ago, we were about a year into this, and, and Renee and I would say to each other, man, if we knew it was going to be like this, we probably wouldn't have come. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we did it. Like, I'm, I'm feeling good about all that. But back then, it was like there were some things that it was like, I don't know if, I don't know if we'd have made the decision to, to come. It's, whoa. Like, we've, we've had to make some tough decisions as a church, decisions that, that are, are difficult. I think God led us to make some decisions as a community that were, that were hard, that were difficult. Some of them were, were heartbreaking. Some of them meant that we, that we lost relationships with people that, that we love dearly. But you know what else we've experienced? We've experienced milk and honey. We've experienced a lot of milk and honey here. I've literally watched some of you transform before my very eyes, like in the room as it's happened. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've watched this community transform as we, as we do our best to, to try to, to live into what it means to be the presence of Jesus in a world that, that God loves so dearly. I've, I've watched as we've made a, a very real difference in the world, partnering with things like, with organizations like Access and the Bridge Home, back, to the, back in the day when we were filling lunch bags on, on Sunday morning so that kids would have food to eat on the weekend. I've watched us become a more gracious, loving, inclusive, accepting place. I've watched over the last few years as some of you have come into this church um, from painful experiences. Some of those experiences were, were personal, some of them communal, but you've walked into this place and, and, and you've experienced some milk and honey, right? And that's just like a fraction of the milk and honey that we've tasted here. And 10 years ago, when we first started this thing, we couldn't see any of that. None of it. We couldn't see any of it. But God had milk and honey planned. God could see it. We couldn't see it. And I think we're standing here in this moment in time on ground, I think, that marks change. Right? And every day is the beginning of a new beginning anyway. Right? And as we continue to move forward as a church, as a people, we're all blind to the future. We can't see. We've got cloaks over our faces. We're functionally blind. And it's all of these things at once. It's scary. It's nerve-wracking. Uh, but it's also exciting. Right? But let's remember, even though we cannot see, God sees. Right? 
And let's just assume something together. Let's make an assumption. Let's just assume there's milk and honey up ahead. Because God knows what God's doing. Let's just assume that together. Okay, that's great. So what? Now what? What do we do? What's next? Well, this is where it gets fun and interesting. Let's, let's look at what God told Moses to do. Remember, picture it, experience it, feel it. He's standing there barefooted with his head completely covered. He cannot see a thing. He's standing there on holy ground, ground that's saturated with the very power and presence of the divine. He has a direct connection with God through his feet. The feet of Moses are blessed. The feet of Moses are holy, set apart for a specific purpose. And what does God say to Moses while he's standing there, completely blind? This is what he says. So now go. Yeah, I know you're blind. I know you can't see. Go. Go anyway. Go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So now go. Go. That word, I think, is one of God's favorite words. Go. Go. God says go. God's vision, because we can't see. Our walk. God says walk. Friends, there may be some of you here feeling blind, like you can't see, and yet there's something inside of you that feels called. Like you know there's something you need to do. Like God's been working on your heart to do, to walk. Maybe there's something around here that you're, you're feeling called to lead or just to participate in or to, or to start because it's not happening. If you feel called, but you're like, I don't know what it looks like, go. Go, walk. Maybe there's somebody here who's feeling called to, to, to show somebody else some grace, some love, some, some forgiveness, but, but you don't know how they're going to receive it or to react to it. If you felt called, go. Walk. Start walking. Maybe there's a new perspective that you feel like you need to listen to or learn from, but, but you're not sure how people are going are gonna to react when they find out. Uh, if you feel called, go. Start walking. Start learning. It's okay. Maybe you've been asking some questions. Who am I that you would ask me to lead this or, or to participate in this? It's bigger than me. There's no way I can do this. Here's the deal. If you read on in the story of Moses, he keeps asking. He keeps asking God. It's almost hilarious when you read it because he continues to come up with excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, what if this happens, God? Or what if this happens, God? Or what if they don't listen to me, God? Or 
what about this whole thing that I, I'm not a very good public speaker, God. I can't do this. It's not going to work out very well. It's easy for us to get stuck in that, into that kind of, of fear-based thinking. What will people think of me? What if I make a mess of things? What if I make the wrong decision? You know what? If you've been asking those questions, if you've been living in that place, if you have those concerns, it's okay. Welcome to the club. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Because we all have that. It's completely normal. Natural. All of us, we're keeping great company with the great Moses. Right? But then look at, look at how God responds. I love this part. Moses is like, well, who am I to do this? Like, you, me? I can't possibly do this. Who am I to do this? And then God says, I will be with you. Those are his first words after Moses asks that question. Who am I? Um, hey, dummy. I'll be with you. In other words, go. Start walking. I'll be with you to take care of the details. We'll go. You'll make some decisions. I'll be with you. We'll go from this point to the next point. I will be with you. Just keep walking. Just walk. God doesn't say, here's a bunch of stuff I want you to believe and get in the right order in your head. This isn't a, this isn't a head thing. It's not even a heart thing. It's a do thing. It's a go thing. God says, go. I will be with you. So it seems to me that, that we have a choice to make. To, or, to walk or not to walk. Right? To go or not to go. I think that's the question. Do yourself a favor. Just go, walk. Keep moving, keep going, keep walking. And let's walk together. Let's continue to become the kind of community that, that we think God wants us to be. We may make some mistakes. Okay. God says, I'll be with you. Let's keep walking. Following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. Let's keep, let's keep figuring out new and inventive ways to, to be the presence of Jesus in a world that needs Jesus more, more than ever. Let's keep walking. Let's keep going. Your staff will. Your focus team will. Let's go together. Does that sound good? Maybe there's some things right now that you're, you're mulling over in your own heart, in your own, in your own mind, and you're like, I've been meaning to do this for a while now. It's just go. Take a step. Just go. Walk. When I went to, <clears throat> I went to college at Northwestern, um, we had our first basketball meeting. I was part of the basketball team there. We got a t-shirt. Very first thing, we walked in the door. They gave us a t-shirt. And because that's what ha all sports teams do that. You get part of something, here's a t-shirt. Right? But I'll never forget. I don't even know where the quote is from. I think I've shared it with you before, but I can't remember. On the t-shirt, it said this. You either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. That's pretty good. 
right? Because the, the message of that shirt is change is a constant. You're either going to grow or you're going to go backwards. You never stay the same. And it's up to you to decide which one it's going to be. How about we just keep walking? How about you and I together? Let's keep walking. And if we're nervous, scared, afraid to make a mistake, that's fine. Because God's word to us is, I'll be with you. That's all I got. Let's pray.